Come talk with me. Sit over here with me. I'd like to eat lunch. This is Mark Dyer. He's 59 years old, and he lives in rural Iowa with his wife. Recently, Mark's been carrying around a recorder, capturing phrases he might need someday. This is a process called phrase banking. Can you help me move? I have an itch on my back. I can hear you and understand everything you say. It just takes me longer to answer. I have a speech problem. I use this machine to talk since I have ALS. ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. It's a progressive neurological disease. People with ALS may eventually lose the ability to move, eat, and speak, which is why Mark is walking around with a tape recorder. One of the things that my wife asked me to record was, good night, sweetheart, I love you. So that at night, for the rest of her life, whether I am able to speak or not, or whether I am even here or not, she will be able to hear me say, good night, sweetheart, I love you for the rest of her life. Since he learned he had ALS, Mark has been working through this post-diagnosis checklist, making sure everything is in order, like getting his will together, getting set up to receive Social Security and disability. But he said he was sort of putting off phrase banking, saving it till last, because it felt the hardest. I'm staring into the teeth of why it is that I'm doing it. And there's a, there's a certain permanence about recording, good night, sweetheart, I love you. Mm. There's a permanence about understanding that she's going to listen to that, you know, maybe 20 years from now, and there's going to be an empty pillow beside her. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Arielle Plotnick. I'm your guest host. It's Friday, April 28th. Today, we're talking about this technology that allows people to preserve their voices and how artificial intelligence has helped this technology get way better. Recording phrases like, good night, I love you, is one way people like Mark can continue to communicate. But in addition to recording phrases he might want to say, Mark has also been recording phrases no one ever says. The one that I always remember is, he was big like a water buffalo is big. I think another one was, everyone at their company smokes. These weird sentences Mark is recording capture a combination of sounds in Mark's voice. Then they get fed into a computer, and using artificial intelligence, that computer can make a synthetic voice that sounds like Mark. There's going to be part of it, I'm sure, that I will just want to go run outside and play in traffic. I'll be so embarrassed and mortified by, you know, how my stupid nasally voice sounds. But at the same time, I, I, you know, I may sound better. We often talk about artificial intelligence in a negative way. But what I thought was interesting about this story is that we look at 
some of the positive impacts that artificial intelligence is having on people who have different conditions and disabilities. And sometimes I think it's nice to tell a good story. This is Amanda Morris. She covers disability for The Post. When you think of synthetic voices, you might think of Stephen Hawking and the way he sounded, uh, which was very robotic. Technology has transformed the outlook for the disabled. People like me can now move around independently, and they can communicate. The fact that you are listening to me now shows what technology can do, even if it does give me a Scandinavian or American accent. That was a result of an older technology that took a lot more time and effort to produce. So historically, there's only been a few voices available to people with ALS, such that you might have two people with ALS in a room together having a conversation, and they sound exactly the same, whether they're a 50-year-old woman or a five-year-old child. Uh, And it can be kind of disorienting and strange to talk to somebody who sounds exactly like you, but maybe is very different than you. And that's interesting. Like, basically, the good thing about this technology at the time is that it's giving people back some agency to communicate. But there's really nothing in terms of, like, tailored personality or accent. Like, nothing around that necessarily matches up to the person's original voice. Yeah. And, you know, if we think back to Stephen Hawking, in his time, this technology was completely life-changing for him. Before this technology came out to recreate the human voice, Stephen Hawking had to use, like, letter boards um, and blink according to what color of what letter he wanted to say in order to say any sentence. And someone would sort of, like, stitch together the letters that he picked to create the full word that he was trying to communicate. Yeah. Like, so Stephen Hawking needed an actual assistant and a letter board. So when this technology came out in Stephen Hawking's time, it completely changed the game, but it still wasn't there in terms of personalization. And that's because it relied on this old method of voice banking called unit selection. And what that is, is you record somebody saying all of the possible sounds in a language. So you actually have like hundreds, if not thousands, of sounds in a given language, depending on what language you choose. And so to record every single sound in the language, somebody would have needed to say hundreds of sentences. It often took hours of work, both on the person who was recording their voice and on the behalf of the person who was then editing each clip to pull out each individual sound. So if this process is so cumbersome, it makes sense that this isn't, like, super accessible for every single person who has ALS. And, you know, the final result is also just a bit disjointed. When you take a bunch of spliced up parts of speech and stick them all together, it's not really smooth. But with AI you don't need somebody to recreate every single sound in one language because companies already have these huge databases that a computer can process to figure out how to create the sounds. So a computer can make every single sound in the English language. It just needs a little bit of a sample from one person to figure out what makes that voice unique and copy it. So because you only need a little bit of one person's voice, you only need that little sample, it's a lot faster and a lot easier And then the computer makes it sound a lot more natural. 
Yeah, so let's listen to sort of the evolution of these different synthetic voices and start with the older one, the one that you described as the unit selection sort of messy collage style. My name is Bob Gutenberg. I live in Washington, D.C., and I'm a real human being, not a robot. It's nice to meet you. Yeah, I hear what you're describing. It's a little bit choppy. It doesn't sound totally smooth. Like, it is not the most natural representation of a voice. Yeah, I can totally understand what the voice is saying, but if I was going to use a synthetic voice, this is not exactly what I would want to sound like. So let's take a listen to what AI can do for synthetic voice technology. Hi, Bob. It's very nice to meet you. My name is Benjamin Britannica, and like you, I am also a real human being and not a robot. I live in Washington, D.C., and I enjoy reading books and magazines. Wow, yeah, the difference between the two is pretty clear. Like, it does sound much less stitched together, much less messy, but... It still doesn't sound totally natural. So is the idea that as this technology improves, it's going to sound even more lifelike? That's the hope. So people who work in this field and people who rely on this technology are really hoping it will continue to improve as technology improves. One thing that a lot of people want is the ability to add emotion when they say something like, I love you, Mm -hmm. or making jokes and things like that. And I think that's a little bit more complex, but I do think with computing power and artificial intelligence capabilities, I don't think it's as far off as it might have seemed 30, 40 years ago. Because the technology has gotten easier and because there's less time required on everybody's parts to recreate these voices, it's actually making these voices a lot more accessible to people. And let's talk about the accessibility. Like, how much is it to bank your voice and then get a synthetic voice? The cost and the amount of time it takes kind of depends on what company you go with. And every company seems to have their own kind of algorithm or formula that requires a different amount of sentences, which would be kind of confusing for patients to navigate. But I've seen some that are as low as like $200 and some that are as high as about $1,000. And the amount of time required, I've seen some companies saying that you only need like 20 minutes and some companies saying you might need like one or two or a couple hours. But that's all still a really big improvement from the past where it would have cost definitely thousands, plural, of dollars and it would have taken like 20, 30 hours of your time to record. A lot of people when they get diagnosed with ALS, they don't know how much time they have left and to Commit to spending 30 hours recording yourself alone Mm -hmm. in a studio when you could be spending that time with your children or your family or your friends. It's a lot to ask of somebody. And there's already a lot of other costs that come with having a condition like ALS. You know, you need specialized wheelchairs sometimes or you need specialized medical care. And to, to ask somebody to spend a couple extra thousands of dollars on a personalized voice It kind of goes lower on the priority list. But what I've heard from patients and from doctors is that having a personal voice rather than a computerized one can actually really improve the way that doctors and nurses treat you and can help strengthen your connection to your family members. There's something about hearing somebody's voice, especially somebody you love, that just makes us feel more connected to each other. So Amanda, you had talked about that 
there's a pretty likely possibility that synthetic voices, like the technology is only going to get better. They're only going to sound more lifelike, more representative of an actual human voice. Are there any concerns about sort of like the dangers of AI uh, getting almost too good and people abusing people's synthetic voices through things like deep fakes? There's definitely concern about, you know, artificial intelligence and the ability to recreate people's voices and, you know, using them in ways that the person would not have wanted or would not have intended to use them, particularly in the case of ALS, there's a question of what happens to this voice after somebody passes away. I spoke with John Costello about this question. He's the director of the Augmentative Communication Program at Boston Children's Hospital, and he told me that the companies who develop these synthetic voices and offer this service are right now the ones who are responsible for making sure that there are guardrails against abuse or misuse. Those companies then are responsible for either, after a certain period of time, completely getting rid of the voice or making sure that they remain protective. We have to continue to make sure there are safeguards in place to assure that the code to access that voice is only provided to the person who created it and their assigned people, and that those companies are protecting those and possibly disposing of them at a certain time so that they don't linger over an extended period of time. And, you know, we have had patients who said, when I am no longer here, I would like this account deactivated. I would like it so that no one has access to it. And then interestingly, other people have said, well, I want my partner to be able to continue to listen to this if they want. So even from the perspective of the person for whom the voice is created, I think there are some different perspectives. I think the bottom line of it is that technology is a tool and it can be used for both good and bad. It just kind of depends on how we regulate it and how companies use it. After the break, we'll hear from some of the people Amanda talked to who have benefited from this technology and what it means for their families. Plus, we learn about research into why hearing someone's real voice matters so much to us. There's actually physiological changes in people when they hear the voice of a loved one. There is one study where they were able to measure changes in oxytocin levels of a daughter speaking with her mom. And in a way that there were not changes when they were texting or when they were communicating in other ways. We'll be right back. So Amanda, for people who are maybe staring down the possibility of losing their voice, due to a neurodegenerative disease or have already started losing their voice, what does it mean for them to get it back using this technology? Yeah, so I actually traveled to meet somebody who uses the technology. His name is Ron Brady. I am a child of immigrant parents and a first-generation college graduate. I was able to have a great career 
as an educator helping, I hope, change the lives of others for the better. I was diagnosed with the illness in 2020, and since then, my wife and I have traveled a lot as we are committed to living every moment to the fullest. He lives in Mazatlan, Mexico, and he said it best when I asked him about how it felt to use his own voice again. He kind of told me that having a disease like ALS, it's like constantly being told that you're getting worse and getting worse and you're constantly losing things. But then when he got his synthetic voice back and he was able to use that, he said it was the first time he felt like he got better in the process. When I received the latest update of my voice, I became emotional because of that. S is a progressive disease. When I heard my improved voice, it felt like it was the first time since being diagnosed that any part of me actually physically became better. It was like the first piece of good news that he got, right? He's constantly being told, okay, you can no longer do this, this or that or you're no longer gonna sound like yourself, right? And then it's like, wait, you do sound like yourself. Hey, this voice turned out really well. My favorite thing to say is any corny dead comment that will make my wife or adult children laugh. So I think with Ron, his synthetic voice, He told me that it's really allowed him to participate in group conversations again. You know, maybe one-on-one with his wife. He might be able to get away with mumbling or whispering a little bit more. But when he's like having game night with his kids and his wife and they're all like bantering and joking and trash talking each other. like (laughs) This is actually something that allows him to be that funny, you know, larger than life person during those game nights. Sometimes he'll actually play into it a little bit and he'll make his synthetic voice say something like, oh, you're going down. And he'll be like, I didn't type that. Like, (laughs) I don't know why it says this. Like, the computer has a mind of its own. And he'll joke around using the synthetic voice, which is really fun. And so other than sort of the individual that is using the synthetic voice, what have you heard from family members of people who have banked their voice and are now using the synthetic voice? I've actually seen quite a range of reactions. For some people, it seems like the individual who uses the voice is the one who benefits the most. In Ron Brady's case, his wife was like, you know, I don't really care, like, either way. Like, this is more for him, and I'll communicate with him however he wants. With regards to his synthetic voice... I believe that the synthetic voice means more for him than it does for me. I like to hear what he's thinking in any voice that he can tell me. If it's whether it's sign language, whether it's writing, whether it's whatever the case may be, I just want to hear what it is that he has to say. But in Ron's case, he was like I've always loved the sound of my own voice, and I think I sound great. And I think it gave him some of that confidence back. I also talked to Ruth Brunton, who was this amazing woman that she ended up passing away from ALS. I had a chance to talk to her before she passed away. She had 
done voice banking, but she wasn't initially happy with how it sounded. So when she lost her ability to speak, she ended up using a generic voice from Mm -hmm. Microsoft called Heather. This is Rav wishing everyone a happy Christmas and a fabulous 2023. Ruth is actually, she was from England, so she did not have an American accent. And her husband actually told me that when she used Heather, she started to withdraw from conversations more and stopped flirting with him and just kind of retreated into a shell. But then she and her husband took her recordings to another company that was able to create a different version of her voice than Mm. the first company had. And she really liked that new version of her voice. She said it sounded a lot more like her. This is Ruth wishing everyone a happy Christmas and a fabulous 2023. And what she told me was that it wasn't just her, it was everybody around her that had that reaction too. Her husband said, you know, I got Ruth back. Her grandchildren said, that's grandma, you know? And like, it felt like everybody was hearing her again. After so many months of her using this Heather voice, they actually got to hear her again, which was nice. So Ruth is somebody who benefited from the voice, but also people around her benefited. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes the family members are the ones who want it the most or benefit the most because, you know, if you think about your significant other's voice, your mother's voice, those are comforting to us. There are studies that show that hearing your mother's voice can actually release oxytocin in the brain. You know, we've all experienced a situation where you pick up the phone and someone says, hi, it's me, and you immediately are connected with that person, hearing their voice brings back who they are to you. So that's John Costello. And he told me this process can be really meaningful for families and for the people who are banking their voices. So many people with ALS have said to me, and I've been surprised by this, but they've thought deeply about it and said, I can lose my ability to walk. I can lose my ability to use my hands, but if I lose my ability to speak, I lose myself. I, I, I It's how I connect, and it's how I am part of this world, and it's how I'm part of my family and my friendships. And if I can't speak, then that part of me is gone. And I've even had people say, and with that gone, I'm not sure what's left for me to be here. So I really, you know, I had a sense of this, but I had no idea the depth of the power of voice until working with people who are considering the loss of their own voice have really imparted the power of self and personal identity through voice. It can improve confidence. It can make people feel like they're hearing you again if they miss the sound of your voice. And it can just give you a little bit of your own identity back. Amanda, thank you so much for bringing your reporting to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Amanda Morris covers disability for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. This story was produced by me and edited by Maggie Penman. It was mixed by Sam Baer. Our team includes Maggie Penman, Rena Flores, Ted Muldoon, Martine Powers, Alahe Azadi, 
Lucy Perkins, Eliza Dennis, Alana Gordon, Arjun Singh, Jordan Marie Smith, Rennie Svirnovsky, Savvy Robinson, Emma Talkoff, Sean Carter, and Renita Jablonski. I'm Arielle Plotnick. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post.